Hello, welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Horizon Church in Allentown, Pennsylvania. We want to help people connect with God and connect with each other. If you'd like to know more about us, you can go to our website at horizonconnect.org. Enjoy. Uh, we had a youth group of teenagers, and uh, in our hallway of our church, we had a red dial phone that was on the wall, <clears throat> and believe it or not, uh, they wanted to get in contact, with, uh, one, one child, uh, youth wanted to get in contact with his parents, and he came to me and said, how do you use this phone? <laughs> the dial phone had no clue <laughs> with cell phone you know, on the scene, how to use uh, uh, the dial phone. And I'm telling you, it was, it was absolutely true. I was dumbfounded by that. So you you got to be kidding me. You don't know how to use it. You know, just learn the numbers, dial it. You know, but they did not know how to do that. Um, one of the things that's neat about uh, filling in for pastors, and this morning filling in for Pastor Bud, um, is that uh, I get to tell some funny stories about them. And... Uh, <clears throat> Now, I don't know if this is really true or not, but I'll have to tell you this. But I, I've heard this, that on one particular Sunday morning, uh, Pastor Bud uh, uh, was giving his message, and uh, part of the message was this. He asked the people that were there sitting down in the congregation, now, who this morning wants to go to heaven? And everybody stand, stood up, except this one man fell asleep, and he didn't stand up. Who wants to go to heaven? Okay, sit down. Everybody sits down. And then Pastor Bud asks, Okay, who wants to go to the other place? And at the very same moment that he asked that question, somebody dropped a huge hymn book on the floor and made a loud noise, startled the man that was sleeping. He stands up. He's the only one standing. And he says, Well, Pastor, uh, I don't know what we're voting for, but it looks like you and I are the only ones for it. This morning, so <laughs> to ask Pastor Bud about that one, but anyway. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's uh, begin with prayer this morning, and then we're going to have our scripture message this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, this time together. We thank you for your word. And I pray, Lord, uh, that your word would speak to each of us in our hearts. Even though we may have read this passage before or heard messages on it before, I pray, Lord, that you might open it up again to us to see perhaps something new and that you would uh, encourage us and strengthen us through your Holy Spirit. Again, Lord, we praise you and thank you for this opportunity. And I just pray, Lord, that you would minister to each of us this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're looking at, uh, this morning, Luke chapter 15, verses 1 to 10, and it'll be on the screen, and I'm actually using uh, uh, Peterson's The Message for this uh, in modern-day translation, modern-day English. And so here's what we have from Luke chapter 15. By this time... A lot of men and women of doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus, listening intently. The Pharisees and religion scholars were not pleased, not at all pleased. They growled. He takes in sinners and eats meals with them, treating them like his old friends. 
their grumbling triggered this story. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and lost one. Wouldn't you leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the lost one until you found it? When found, you can be sure you would put it across your shoulders, rejoicing, and when you got home, call in your friends and neighbors saying, celebrate with me. I found my lost sheep. Count on it. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life than over 99 good people in no need of rescue. Or imagine a woman who has 10 coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and scour the house, looking in every nook and cranny until she finds it? And when she finds it, you can be sure. She'll call her friends and neighbors, celebrate with me. I found my lost coin. Count on it. That's the kind of party God's angels throw every time one lost soul turns to God. Now, here are two parables or stories that Jesus tells in response to the complaint by the religious leadership about his lack of social distancing behavior with the unchurched. The stories are memorable in themselves, but are part of a trilogy, actually, ending with the, probably, I would say, the more memorable and frequently uh, repeated story of the prodigal son. You remember that one. And the reason they are so memorable is because they ring true, even in our situations, in our time. We identify with the story about the lost coin because we've all lost something important. For example, I usually put my wallet on a little table that we have downstairs, and uh, this one day, I'm, I'm down there and it's gone. I'm looking for it endlessly. Where in the heck did I put my wallet? I don't know where it is. And looking and looking and looking, searching, where in the world did I put it? Finally, look in the laundry basket and I had it in my, another pair of pants that I had put it in there. And it just, <laughs> but I'm there, you know, getting frantic about that whole thing. Uh, another time, I had... Uh, gone to, driven to Walmart, parked the car, get out of the car, go into Walmart, and I'm there for, for quite a bit. Come out to the parking lot right exactly where I knew I parked my car, and it's gone. I'm looking, where in the world is my car? I can't find it. I'm getting frantic. I'm going, well, maybe it's in this other row. Maybe I missed it. You know, I'm looking at the other rows. I guess people look at me and crazy. What's wrong with him? But I'm looking for my car, cannot find it, Call my wife. I had my cell phone with me, fortunately. Uh, and I call her and I said, Honey, I can't find my car. I think somebody took it. And she said, Dear, you took my car. <sighs> yeah. It ever happened to you? Anybody? <laughs> Looking for my car is not there. Well, no, go figure. Why? So, you know, as an example, we can all identify as much, uh, you know, with those situations in our life. 
Uh, however, the, the, the story about the sheep, maybe we don't identify so much. There aren't a whole lot of sheep encounters that we have usually, except maybe counting them at night. But you get the drift, right? Now, it's important to first take note with me of the comment that starts everything here in these stories. By the religious community, the established church of the time, he takes in sinners and eats meals with them, treating them, them like old friends. It doesn't deflect Jesus at all. Instead, it opens up a truth about the very character and nature of God himself, of who he is. It's not just about the sheep that strays, the queen that's lost, or even in the third of the trilogy, the son who squanders his inheritance and becomes lost. It's about every man, woman, child on planet earth. Jesus is talking about you and me. You and I are the wandering sheep, the lost coin. You and I are the prodigal son. Or possibly there's another part which be a whole nother message, the prodigal's brother, who when he comes home, he cannot forgive him, can't rejoice with him over his safe return. Would you agree with me that when, when Jesus tells these stories, something registers deep within us as to our condition, our lostness, and yet... Despite that, how God earnestly seeks us out, how He loves us unconditionally, how He rejoices and heaven rejoices over us when we are rescued. And so I'd like to, with you, take a look at these particular three aspects. First, He seeks us endlessly. There is no doubt that something precious is lost in both cases that is deeply cared for and loved. And in Jesus' interaction one time with, uh, remember Zacchaeus, who's up in the tree? He's a tax collector, by the way. He is not loved. But upon meeting Jesus in that interaction, what happens? He promises to give half of his wealth to the poor, and to pay back those he cheated four times over. What an amazing thing. And Jesus responds in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. That's his mission. It's part of God's character and who he is. This is his nature and plan. The shepherd leaves the entire flock for one. The woman literally overturns the house for the one. We identify with the panic, don't we? <laughs> the relentless searching. The item of, is something we need and everything stops as if uh, we were in a time warp. We will even risk being late late for an appointment that we might have that I've got to get to, but I need this. 
wallets, keys, sometimes in my wife's case, her reading glasses, which she has multiple pairs of. Where did I put it? <laughs> and, you know, there's some, we've got a lot of them, but anyway. In those days, sheep were an important livelihood. They were needed. They provided income. Coins of the time were unique because there was no uniform mintage to them. This particular coin may well have been equivalent to a month's entire budget. So the desperate search is a right one, one she needed. But what is really the point of these stories? Jesus is illustrating that God is the one who seeks and searches for even one. That you and I are valuable to him. More than we can possibly comprehend and know. In fact, Jesus states in Luke chapter 12, verses 6 to 7, what is the price of five sparrows? Two copper coins? Yet God does not forget a single one of them. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. You and I are not just chances of nature. What modern science and education might be trying to teach us. We're more than a product of nature. God loves you and seeks you precisely because we are lost without Him. We are lost without Him. However, we've got to recognize that condition. We've got to recognize that position that we are in. Uh, there was a story of a, a yacht started to sink off the Californian coast, and the captain was a famous financier. And in desperation, he radios the Coast Guard, and the Coast Guard responds by radio, we're on the way. What's your position? And the man replies, I'm chairman of the board of the First National Trust. <laughs> and that's the wrong position. The right one is, I'm, 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 I'm lost and I need help. I'm sinking. By the way, I wonder if you noticed that both the sheep that's lost and the coin that's lost cannot help themselves. They cannot help themselves. They are helpless on their own. Uh, there's a great uh, chorus and song out by Casting Crowns, and I want to share part of the lyric with you. It's called Love Moved First. Really would have loved to play the song, but uh, we're not able to do that. And here's how it goes. This is the story of a runaway with no way home and no way out. I threw the best of me away. I had my chance. It's too late now. Too far gone and too ashamed to think that you'd still know my name. But love refused to let my story end that way. You didn't wait for me to find my way to you. I couldn't cross that distance even if I wanted to. You came running after me when anybody else would have turned and let me at my worst. Love moved first. 
What kind of grace? Relentless grace would chase, chase this rebel down, crawl into this prisoner's cage, take my hand and pull me out. You knew I couldn't make the change, so you became the change in me. And now I love and I live to tell the story of the God who rescues. You didn't wait for me to find my way to you. I couldn't cross that distance even if I wanted to. You came running after me when anybody else would have turned and let me at my worst. Love moved first. Secondly, he loves us unconditionally. God does. The sheep that wanders away from the shepherd and the flock will not be very useful out there on his own and will ultimately be in great danger. The coin that rolled away is out of circulation will be of no benefit. But that's not the end of the story. They are important. They are needed and can't be overlooked. They are loved. And God continues to seek us out and call for us. He will not give up. He has unfailing love for us. David writes about this unfailing love in Psalm Chapter 36, Psalm 36, 5 to 9. He writes, Your unfailing love, O Lord, is as vast as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Your justice like the ocean depths. You care for people and animals alike, O Lord. How precious is your unfailing love, O God. All humanity finds shelter in the shadow of your wings. You feed them from the abundance of your own house, letting them drink from your river of delights. For you are the fountain of life, the light by which we see. I like that last part. You are the fountain of life. And people are trying to discover where is it? Where is it? The fountain of life? Christ, yes. The fountain of life. So God loves us and is personally involved in our lives. He's personally involved in our lives. And the proof is Jesus himself. We live in a world, however, that is skeptical of that very thing. Uh, Dr. William Nelson, a professor of psychiatry at Duke University, was convinced that in our age of education and science, we could not believe in a personal God. And he did a research paper on the Alexander the Great complex about the same time. Alexander, according to the legend, after conquering the world, sat down and cried because there were no more worlds to conquer. And so the complex Dr. Nelson wrote about concerned people who have achieved and yet still feel empty. Dr. Nelson discovered, interestingly, that he was one of those people. Empty, missing something, lost, and in need of something greater than himself. God's love, love that is unconditional. I don't know if you noticed this, but um, 
the sheep, the coin, were never reprimanded when they were found. You bad sheep. No. I'm, I'm sorry. I had to do that. You bad slippery coin, you. They were not reprimanded, but they were taken and adored and rejoiced over, actually. Uh, Sidewalk prophets have an interesting song called You Love Me Anyway. And the chorus of that, I share with you, You Love Me Anyway. It says this in in the chorus part of it. I am the thorn in your crown, but you love me anyway. I am the sweat on your brow, but you love me anyway. I am the nail in your wrist, but you love me anyway. I am Judas Iscariot, but you love me anyway. I am the man who yelled out from the crowd for your blood to be spilt on this earth-shaking ground. Yes, and I turned away with a smile on my face, with this sin in my heart, tried to bury your grace, but you love me anyway. Unconditional. You love me anyway. Last but not least, the third point. He rejoices when we are found. There is celebration going on. Remember how you felt when all of the searching finally pays off? <laughs> ah, found my wallet. I didn't take my car. I took my <laughs> I finally get it. And you know, usually, usually there's others around us, husband, wife, whatever the case might be, who are witnessing uh, our panic <laughs> and our frustration. Uh and they're happy, especially because they no longer have to put up with our grumpiness. <laughs> we're, we're frantic, you know, about those things that we've lost. But the bottom line is this. The bottom line is that God's kingdom seems to be one of rejoicing and celebration. And so Jesus concludes in both of these stories. He says this, count in it. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life than over 99 good people in need of rescue. Count on it. That's the kind of party God's angels throw every time one lost soul turns to God. There is great joy because God knows and recognizes, all heaven recognizes, our great need. Great joy because of a great need that can be found only in Christ, in Christ alone. Um, if you remember the movie Titanic, and while it's sinking, the captain asks his first officer, he doesn't ask him how many people on board, but what does he ask him? How many souls are on board? How many souls? How important is a soul? How important is it? A soul that's lost in need of a Savior. How is it that we 
aren't more joyful about spiritual things sometimes. We, we sometimes get bogged down with things that don't really count. There are far too many Christians who get bent out of shape and believe you, me, I know personally, I've pastored for 40 years. Far too many who get bent out of shape and leave the doors of the church over wrong things. One gentleman in our congregation, bless his heart, he's a wonderful man, but he would ask before the Sunday coming up, I hope we're not going to have drums this coming Sunday. If there are, I'm not coming. These new choruses repeat too much. And I have to remind them that there are hymns that have four stanzas and repeat the chorus. Communion should only be served kneeling at the altar. Just a few (laughs) things that I've heard along the way. And we get bound out of shape of things that are non-essential in my understanding of the book. But what we should be rejoicing over is what God is doing. What is he doing? What's he doing in your heart and my heart? What's he doing today? Which is significant, maybe small, maybe when no one ever knows about it, but he's working on you and me, isn't he? And even the smallest way to grow closer to him, to be more like Jesus in our own life. And boy, the Lord has a lot of work to do in me yet. For sure, for sure. It's sad. The Pharisees missed the whole point of the stories Jesus tells. But they ought to be rejoicing They ought to be rejoicing over Jesus, God's very own Son, who is standing right there before them in the flesh, and they can't see it. It's like that that, commercial of the lady who's the sketch artist and the guy standing there with the camera and the big sandwich. What do you think? Can't see it. Jesus is the light of the world. A world that desperately needs that light. One of the songs the band was going to sing today in closing was My Lighthouse, but they did it today in the video uh, they had set up, and My Lighthouse was uh, a very good song that was appropriate that because he is that. Jesus is the lighthouse. And he draws us to him. Would you close with me in prayer this morning? We thank you, Lord, for this day that you have given and provided for us. Lord, we continue to pray for those who are still reeling and hurting over this pandemic, and it's causing a lot of heartache and headache. We pray, Lord, for those who want to choose anger and destruction in this time and can't let go of that. Oh, Lord, they need something. They're missing something deeply in their life, and we know what it is. It's you. You love them, Lord, though, despite, and we should too, and we should want to pray for them. 
And Lord, uh, for all the things that we wrestle with and struggle with, our own prejudices, that keep us apart and knock us down and undermine us in who we need to be. Lord, be a blessing, I pray today, to each one here, those who are viewing this morning, and may we find that Jesus loves us deeply, so much so that he will not stop looking and searching for us. And yet he comes to us in the person of Jesus. We thank you for that, Lord. And As we leave today, may we find your grace and your love and your mercy and your peace to follow us. We pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. The Lord bless you. Have a great uh, rest of Sunday and a great week coming up. And God bless. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to know more about Horizon Church, please go to the website at horizonconnect.org. Have a great week.